Welcome back to the Two Dudes, Three Legs podcast with your hosts, Zach Dingy. Tony Capaletti. Today, we're sitting down with Lassie and Sebastian. Lassie's the CEO and founder of Levitate. And Sebastian is the sales executive. And this guy's impressive. We're going to talk more about what he's done uh, physically with his blade leg. But to get started, Tony, I'll let you start. Yeah, I'm going to ask a question, but I just want to give you a little bit of a better intro. My guy is a disruptor. He's making his own blade legs and trying to change and revolutionize the world for amputees everywhere. Uh, so I think an appropriate way to start this would, for, would be for me to ask you, because your take on this uh, from conversations we've had in the past really struck me. So can you talk about the flaws in the process of obtaining adaptive sports equipment and how you're seeking out to solve that issue for amputees all over the world? Most certainly I can. <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing every day, right? If you look at prosthetics and if you look at you know, what people want to be doing, we should maybe be looking at the process of able-bodied people's way of obtaining sports equipment, right? Yeah. So let's say that you are just, you know, you are Rick the accountant and you want to go out and you want to do bicycling. Well, you go online or you go down to your local shop you buy a bicycle, you take it home, you adjust the saddle to your height, and then basically you're good to go. You can go out and you can do 50 miles per hour if that's what you want to do, right? So that's how obtaining sports equipment for able-bodied people work. Um, now, the issue with being an amputee or having any kind of physical disability is that if you want normal legs for everyday use, you get it through the system. In some countries, the government, in some countries, insurance. But when it comes to sports equipment, it, it's not part of it, right? Right. So there is a difference between getting, you know, an everyday walking leg and then getting a leg for sports. And um, today, you can get it reimbursed. So most people need to pay it out of pocket. And then if we can talk more about that, if, but if you consider the cost and the time and the process of that, right. it just doesn't add up with how you know, the accountant is getting his bike. Right, right. And I feel like because we're competing with insurance pricing, it makes it like nearly impossible for a regular Rick to go out and buy a blade leg, you know, yeah. which is just like, it's crazy. How much is it if you if you buy a blade leg, just straight from insurance, not from you? What is like? What is the? Why is it difficult for a normal person, Rick, to go and get a blade leg if they're not an athlete and don't have a reason? You have to understand the how how it's built up, right? So if you take your leg that you have here, it consists of it consists of different parts, right? You have the you have the blade, you have some adapters, and then you have a socket. Well, through the traditional system, they want to sell you the whole thing, right? So if you're looking at, okay, I'm, I want to go out and I want to, I want to have recreational prosthetic. Well, you're going to be looking at price points between 12 to 20,000 US dollars. And paying that out of pocket for sports equipment that over time will be worn out and you need a changing, well, that's too much. Right. And it's You'd not You'd never see me on a bicycle people. if it was $20,000, I tell you that much. <laughs> Yo, that's how much some of the legit bicycles that they use 
for cycling. They're like fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for a normal bike. That's for people who are very yeah. serious about it. Crazy. We're talking about the guy who just wants to get out yeah. and walk or go on a jogging path on the weekends. Um, but I just, I always find it, you know, every time I think about you, that's what I think about is it, it's so impressive to me that you want to disrupt the way that we come about these things. Yeah. And I think that's extremely important that you're doing that. Uh, and it actually gets, it gets me fired up. I want to like be part of it. I'm trying, I'm doing my best too. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, let's talk about Levitate, how it got started, your story, because if we're looking here, we got three dudes with one leg. <laughs> you supplied him that leg, you supplied Sebastian his leg, and you were the original founder of Levitate. So we know the story a little bit, but we, uh, we were actually just sitting down with our coach last night, and he was saying the two things to have an extremely successful business, no matter what, are to love the problem you're solving and to have a hungry crowd of people, you know? If, you have, if you're selling hot dogs or the worst hot dogs in the world, but the crowd is starving, you still can sell hot dogs. And if you love what you do, it makes it enjoyable and you can go long-term. So for you, obviously something happened. You found a love for yourself because it was out of need. And then people are pretty hungry if they want to run and they can't afford it, and they have an affordable way of doing it, it makes it pretty good. So tell us how it got started in your story and, and what happened with you. Yeah, so um, my story is that starts when I was three years old. You know, when I was three years old, I walked into the first gymnastics class ever. So I've been a gymnast my entire uh, teenage life and um, started at, uh, you know, backflipping gymnastics and stuff like that. And in Denmark, it's really popular to go to schools for the sports that you enjoy. So I was about, I was signed up for a school when I was 15 years old and I was supposed to go there for a year. And then when I was 14, I lost my leg in a traffic accident. And immediately, in the hospital bed, you know, without even thinking how is my life gonna be and all of these things, the first thing that I was asking the doctors is, okay, so how am I gonna start at this school in nine months from now? And then they told me the same thing that you've probably all been told, you know, this whole thing with sports and running, you know, you should not put your nose too high up to it, you know, because um, you'll be walking, but running and exercise is not really part of it. So they told me that in the hospital bed at the time. And um, I actually decided right then and there that in, I, was, I was going home for the weekend while I was in the hospital. And then I was, I was visiting the school to see them do a show just to get fired up. So at that time, I, um, I asked one of the teachers and I was still, I was in a wheelchair and I said, so what does it take for me to start at this school nine months from now? And he said, you know, if you can just participate at, you know, at the same level as the others, you can start. So then I went to my prosthetist. I said, hey, you know, I need one of these blade legs. And then, um, Basically, it was not reimbursed, so he found something in the basement. He put something together, and then he gave me something that is really important. He gave me the Allen key, the one that you use to adjust your leg, and he taught me how to use it. So he, wow. he said to me right then and there, you know, when I was 14 years old, he said, I'm not going to be with you in the school 
at all times because you're gonna stay there full time. So you need to learn already now how your prosthetic is working. So I thought at that time that that was the standard, that everybody just learned it. So I actually, I went to the school, I completed 200 shows with the school. And um, yeah, that was, that was the start of everything. All right, so hold up now. Because well? we know what <laughs> happened with Tony's leg and I want to happen with Sebastian's too. How did you, what was the actual accident that you lost your leg and then Sebastian, you can answer after, but how did it actually happen? Yeah, so, um, you know, as, as a young kid, you need to try out different things, right? So yep. one of my friends, he just got a, uh, a, a scooter and was driving way too fast. And then we figured, hey, it's Friday, you know, it's cool. Let's just drive around. And then all of a sudden, I didn't see what was in front of me. So I just drove into a fence and it just cut off my leg right then and there. And I was actually below the knee <laughs> amputee at that point. Really? Yeah, right there in the accident, you know, the, it chopped off my leg. Um, and, uh, you know, a family came driving around the corner and they stood out of the, of the vehicle and looked at me and they were all in shock. So the father, he just went and grabbed my leg and handed it to me. So I was like- It was clean cut off. Oh yeah. Wow. God. <laughs> he handed it to you? Yeah. Wow. Sebastian. What happened with yours? Um, yeah, I was uh, I was 11 when I lost my leg. Uh, uh, I did I did uh, dinghy sailing. So I was uh, sailing uh, up to dinghies, and I just started to have my second session there. And we had um, at the end of every session on the water, we 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 capsized the boats so we could kind of get comfortable. If anything ever happened, we could like lift the boats up, get back up. So I capsized my boat, I lie in the water, just waiting for the coach to, to come around, give instructions on how do I do this. And he comes around me and he can't really um, steal the boat uh, straight again. He ends up sailing uh, straight over me. So I get my foot pulled through the propeller of the engine uh, on the boat. And yeah, that's, that's not a clean cut like that's it. This one was just thrown around the propeller, uh, completely destroyed. Yeah. It ripped off your foot, and then would you have to have surgeries up all the way up? No, it, no, it just, it just, it just kind of like blended it through and throw the foot around it, completely destroyed. There's no foot, just like, yeah. Wow, that's insane. Another coach had to jump in the water actually to come, come and swim over and tangle everything out of the, the engine. For me Do you to remember the pain? Did it? Did you even feel it, or was it just instant shock? Yeah, it was instant shock. Yeah. And then when we start messing around with getting it like out of the screw. Did you have to That's pull crazy. your leg out of the yeah, screw? Yeah, like, oh there's like God. toes in that oh every direction. And <laughs> so we had to entangle all of the, the, like, both like all the muscle and all the meat there. Just Dude, your story is story. lame. <laughs> <laughs> this guy got his leg handed to, the, to him. Yeah, this guy got it stuck in a propeller and they had to untangle it. His story it. wasn't even done. <laughs> you said it was cut off below the, how did you lose the knee then? So the, I'm not sure if everybody in the room can handle all the details, but, <laughs> but you know, you have, you have two bones in your lower leg, right? Tibia and fibula. Yeah, exactly, tibia and fibula. And the one of them was torn out in one, in one part. So that was in the leg that I was handed. There was a bone taken out. And then, you know, it was ripped up all the way up to my knee. So my kneecap and everything was, was damaged. But I remember, you know, it was, com it was completely dark and there was no street light. 
the only thing that was it was full moon so i could i could kind of sense what is what was going on but in the beginning you know i didn't realize that i didn't have a leg so i was like oh man i just i just told my uh, my friend's uh, scooter so I just I just stood up and I just started walking and I kept on falling again and again and again. That's what happened to me. Yes. <laughs> I kept on falling again and again and again because you know I just I still feel my toes and I know you feel your toes as well. Um, but I had the same feeling back then, you know, it was just a, a sensation in in my toes but um, and then eventually I realized by doing like this that there was nothing. <laughs> oh my god. That's Wild. crazy. It was not until the, the car came that I actually saw what, what happened. When it was handed to you. Those stories are much more gruesome than I thought they were. <laughs> and, you know, when I talk to you guys, you know, you guys always have such a positive attitude still. And it's amazing how, you know, I thought I was the only one. Just kidding. But it's, it seems like people like us who are faced with this thing just like are forced to push through and have a positive attitude and then go the extra steps to not only have a positive attitude but make it better and easier for other people uh, which you know obviously that's what you guys are doing um, you know and I, and I don't want it to go unsaid that we're out here at Barwis gym right now and tomorrow we're having the test run which I'm so grateful to be a part of uh, but you know how did you guys have the idea to like, you know, usually when somebody has equipment that they're looking to get out into the market, is this typically a way that they would push it? Like have people come and test it? I've never seen that in other fields. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a really good question. So if we look at, if we're talking about, you know, the, we have certain stages of the company, right? So initially, when we launched, we've had the, the one sitting around waiting for this for 100 years. And then immediately when they saw, hey, I can go online and I can buy the sports equipment that I need, we had the first customers right then and there. Oh. But then now, you know, you have all these people that have, that have been following us for a while. They're seeing what other people are doing. You know, they are interested. They've been talking to us. They, they've reached out several times. And some of them they you know is this really for me you know because sports prosthetics has been perceived by everybody as something you have to be an olympic athlete to use right which is completely wrong right i can definitely speak to that when i thought about like why would i get a blade like, like i'm not gonna run in marathons and like stuff like that that's like sort of what you're thought to believe and I think that's part of the problem of the system yeah and I think um, if you look at the again if you look at able-bodied people you know just in order to go out play basketball run around with your kids you know you don't have to be an Olympic athlete to do that right so we wanted to bridge the gap between you know having to be an Olympic athlete and just being a weekend warrior saying, you know, I want to do the occasional run every second Saturday and I want to be there for my kids. I want to be there when they start to run. Um, so that's what we are trying to bridge. Right. And coming back to, you know, why are we here in, in Borwis is because we have seen such a massive interest of people that want to try. They also want to meet other like-minded people. Um, 
they want to meet you, they want to meet Sebastian, they want to get a good experience. So we started last year to host these mini test runs where we were just in town for other business. And uh, it actually turned out pretty successful. You know, oh, we just funny. posted, hey, we're going to be in uh, Washington Park in Colorado tomorrow. And then people started showing up. And uh, we didn't even bring enough equipment. So, uh, yeah. So it sort of made its own path like that. Yeah. Yeah, and if we haven't spoken about it enough, uh, or, or, or why we're here, really, is because we have a fundraiser with Giveability, and Two Dudes Three Legs and Plug PV uh, kind of partnered, and we raised, what was it, what is it at now? We're, 19, we're up to ni about $19,000. Almost $20,000, so we're really here with Lasting with Sebastian because we're gonna be handing out blade legs to select people that are coming here to try on legs to run around and test it out, and none of them even know it. So that's going to be coming out. We're going to be recording that tomorrow. But anyway, to, to wrap it up, was that's the point why we're here today with Lassie and Sebastian because we're doing that fundraiser. And this is the event it's going to be held at. So shot the pod here as well the night before. <laughs> yeah. Not a bad idea. Yeah, this place is actually awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And real quick, before we get back in, because I want to ask you about how um, the engineering of the bleed leg actually happened. That's interesting. But talking about athletes and weekend warriors sebastian we just found out has some pretty crazy shit that he's done so <laughs> tell us what you've yeah. accomplished with the blade leg and kind of what what your athletic the weekend are. warrior plus yeah he's the plus 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 he's the plus 365 warrior yeah so where do i start like i i, I was i got amputated when i was 11 years old but before that i've always done sports i've always been active and like when i got amputated uh, me, and my, me and a friend, like the first thing we did was start climbing uh, cliffs and trees and stuff like that. So I always challenged myself and um, yeah, at some point when I got older, um, I kind of figured I, like, I'm building myself up around this, um, living with a disability, um, I want to do something with it, I want to push my boundaries even more. And um, I found out like I, I, I always loved climbing from when I was smaller, and um, I figured why not try Kilimanjaro. Uh, first it was a joke, but then next step. It's <laughs> so always how it starts. Yo, dude, we should try it. Yeah. I'm just climbing this tree. Yeah. And uh, next step, Kilimanjaro. Yeah. I had a couple of beers with a couple of friends one day. A couple That's of beers. That's how it starts. Yeah. At eleven. I was like, guys, this summer I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go to Kilimanjaro. They were like. Yeah, we're coming. We're like, all right, let's start planning and we plan for it. Um, that was 2013. So yeah, we summer comes up, we go to Tanzania, climb Kilimanjaro. It's a uh, six day hike. Um, you're gonna go like quite fast, go like high, that's right. Like it's a volcano, old volcano, but you go, you increase in, in height so fast that it's kind of like mountain like so get height sickness and all that if you're not careful. Yep. But six days, you go for 100 kilometers, and um, yeah, you're gonna go um, to 4,000, yeah, almost 4,900 meters for height. Uh, wow, it's incredible. Yeah. I think I'm gonna dub a new syndrome called amputee syndrome, yeah. where it just makes us crazy and we wanna try new things. Like, I honestly believe if I didn't get into this motorcycle accident, I would have no reason to want to run a marathon. I wouldn't be thinking about doing triathlons, but like now that I have the challenge and I feel like it's the same for yeah. you guys, like 
we have to push the limits and see what we're capable of. And it just happens to be that it's, you know, it goes hand in hand with showing other people what you're capable of, you know, and giving hope to others who need it. Because obviously to some people, this is much more tragic. You know, it seems like we're the type of guys who can kind of take it on the chin. Um, but it's incredible, man. Like you, you inspire me. I, I want to do that. I'm not going to go for a full Ironman, but that shorter one's looking you good. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe eventually, but not right off the bat. But you could climb the mountains in Denmark, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe those ones. Yeah, what is it, 300 feet above sea level? Yeah, exactly. I It'll might be, be nice, able to you know? do that. You can say you climbed the mountain, nobody yeah. will know how tall it was. I exactly. climbed to the highest peak of Denmark. Yeah, you cannot, even, you cannot even see it, it's just a field. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I do want to wrap around back um, because we heard about the spark of Levitate, but we never heard about the grind that brought it to be, right? And the spark was obviously, I feel from the story you told me, was your prosthetist kind of saying, you know, you're gonna walk. And you were yeah. like, fuck you, I'm gonna fly. Um, so that brought you to, and, and even the experience speaks to levitate because, you know, when I received mine, it came in a box and it comes with everything to adjust it. And that's how you've made it the the use of this yeah. uh, which is a whole nother aspect that you know nobody when you go to see your uh, specialist is provided that you know you go to a specialist and they do all that for you um, I don't want to get too far off topic but so you took your own experience you're an engineer yep tell us about how you brought this to production now yeah so just to, to, to pick up from, from, um, from the story when, you know, after I finished that school, did all the shows, um, I, was, I was approached by, you know, the Paralympic trainer in Denmark. He said, hey, do you want to train for the Paralympics? And I was like, nah, I don't, think this is, I don't think this is for me. I think my sports career is ending here. So um, went to school, high school, university and then I became an engineer and then I worked in an, a, a big international company uh, for eight years. I, uh, I was the research and development director and I basically I developed a lot of maritime equipment and um, so I went, I went around 50 countries in the world, optimized production, you know, merged and acquired companies started up a production line and um, you know had a lot of people uh, engineers working and a lot of experience so at that time you know when I've been in the company for eight years and we just finished a massive project um, I figured okay I need a little break and then I started you know picking up uh, sports again at another level that I was just doing you know every day and then after a few weeks, I figured, hey, you know, I need a new sports prosthetic. And then I went to, you know, my provider and said, hey, I need a new one. And they said, yeah, you know, here's a quote. And that just blew my mind, right? Do you remember how, the number? Yeah, how can I find 25,000, you know, out of pocket just to... Uh, and that was for the whole ensemble? That was for the, for the whole thing, right? 25,000 euros. Yeah. Is it euros there? Euro. US dollars. Oh, okay. About the same right okay. now. Okay. So, you know, at, at that time, you know, with 
with the experience as an engineer, having starting production companies, having working with the same materials, I figured, hey, wait a minute, there's there's something wrong here. <laughs> there's there's something wrong in 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 between, you know, the the intention of a, a person wanting to do sports, and then the reality of how it's actually being done today. Right. So that's what we wanted to fix. Um, so the concept, you know, the concept really came from, you know, I think it was a combination of IKEA, and uh, <laughs> and, and 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 and, uh, and and how you buy any other stuff. Right. So basically, I, I went to this uh, startup incubator and I said, I want to build a running blade in a box with components. You can buy it online and you can install it at home, and the maximum price should be two thousand US dollars. Wow, you had it that figured out right off the bat? <laughs> that's actually, that was the pitch that I gave them. Wow. And that's the company that, that I've built. That's exactly what you've done. Yeah. So, um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And uh, we have a lot of really, really happy customers out there. Yeah. yeah. So, you've spoken about how you've already disrupted the market. Can you tell us a little bit about other plans you have to continue to make this an easier process for people to get equipment like this and other plans you may have in the future? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really important to, to understand, you know, how the, how the system is working today because, you know, different countries, different systems, um, and more importantly, different end users. And I call it end users because, you know, I understand very much that, you know, there is a broad spectrum of the amputee population. Yeah. So you have everything from, you know, the ones that are born with, without a foot or however that is. And then you have, you know, the, the older diabetic, uh, whatever yep. uh, sickness. So, so it's a spectrum of people. And, you know, the, the company that we're building is, is, is bridging the gap between, you know, the, the intentions and the realities of the, of the more, I would say, the, the more um, people with the can-do attitude. So, for instance, take Sebastian and I. We've been amputees for 20 years. We've seen, you know, the inside of prosthetics offices since we were teenagers. We know how all equipment works. And the one thing that frustrates not only me, but a lot of the individuals that we talk to is the whole process. So you have to consider there is a time frame from when you get your, you know, I need a new whatever, foot, socket, whatever it is. And then to the day that you get it. Right. It can be everything from 30 days to half a year. Right. Well, that's, and then if you need something, that's a problem. Right. So... And then you have the pricing aspect as well, you know, not for the things that are reimbursed, but for the things that you just need because you want to do recreational stuff, you want to do bicycle stuff, you want to play basketball. Yeah. So we want to bridge that um, that I think gap. an easy way to put it into perspective for people would be, you know, imagine you're very enthusiastic about becoming a mountain biker. Yep. You have to go see a guy to build you a mountain bike. Mm -hmm. And then he says, okay, I'm going to build it. I'll see you in two weeks. Okay, you come back two weeks later, he puts you on it, and then he has to adjust it, and then he says, okay, I'll see you in two weeks. Come back in two weeks, you can try it again. 
you probably wouldn't be too enthusiastic about riding that mountain bike anymore. Probably go find something else to do. The pricing, so that got skipped over. You went from average cost for someone else when you went to look at your leg was $25,000. And your pitch was $2,000 yeah. for a brand new leg in a box, the whole everything. Yeah. How does that work? How is your financing been? How were you able to make that happen? And how were you able to drop it by 80%? So one thing that we do, on, we do need to understand is that in Levitate, we don't sell the entire leg. We sell the components that you need below your socket Got or it. below your knee at this current moment. Because we're preaching one socket, multiple feet. And I think that's super important because if you understand, you know, as you're not an amputee, but as, as an amputee, you have volume changes. You, it changes during the day and, you know, you get smaller and you get bigger. And let's say that you have to take out uh, 10, 15,000 US dollars to get a new socket. Well, now you have two sockets. Then in, in one and a half, two years time, for whatever reason, you need a new one. Well, then you would need two new ones. Right. So then you have double the issue all the time. So what we're seeing now is because we have, we have different models, right? We work with direct-to-consumer, we work with NGOs, but we also work with a trade. And the good thing about it is that we, we, we're seeing now that a lot of the prosthetists that we're talking to, they really start to understand, you know, okay, this is, this is the way to solve it, you know? One socket, multiple feet. So you've, you've essentially niched down into like, the way you're disrupting is instead of doing everything and trying to be this all in one, you're just like, let's do this one thing. And it allows you to scale it so much more because you're, you're only doing the one component and everyone else already has this top component from yeah. the, the regular walking leg. Yeah. yeah, it kind of goes against the traditional industry, right? It's nice to say, in, normally they will have like a socket for every foot you have yep. so just keep constantly changing the foot uh, because they want to be the ones putting everything on whereas we at Levitate like we believe that like the user can do it themselves still right. like you should be able to do anything and have the freedom to do it too but I think one of the one of the one of the cool byproducts that we've seen is that not only has Levitate provided them the gift of mobility the other thing we've seen is that, you know, people are reaching out to us after a while and said, you know, you've not only have you, you know, provided me the ability to run, but you've also taught me so much about That's how right. my prosthetic is I working. Was just thinking that. So, you know, now I don't have to drive 150 miles to go in to do one micro adjustment. Right. Because of whatever reason, right? So. I think it's really important to understand that the more people they know about their own bodies, right, the better they are treating their own bodies. And they feel more comfortable in their own bodies. And they can do more. And they feel more empowered to do other stuff. And then they, you know, they try to do more things and then they, they understand. And now they're asking for more. So now they want more products, That's right? deep level of branding and, and layers. And, and you have people essentially feeling that they're part of their own process of learning their leg you know instead of just i'll take that leg give me i'll pay 15 grand for it I'll, whatever i'll go fucking run 
You know, they're like actually learning about the leg. They get to do it themselves. They know the whole wraparound to it. And I think what's going to come with that over time, and it's already happening, is it's going to create culture. Yeah. And, you know, forums online where oh, people get together. Wait, and talk what's about Levitate it? stand for? You didn't tell us. <laughs> what do you, what do you, I don't know. <laughs> what do we think? Stands for what Chris Angel did that one time in wherever the hell he did. <laughs> did it when he eight. did Something magic. Something ate. Something ate. <laughs> Are you hungry? I am hungry. I'm always hungry. Levitate. Lev, let's is it, play. Does that have something to do with Andrew Tate? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Give it to him. <laughs> it means. We're not good at guessing. To be uplifted by a supernatural power. Okay, mm. there you go. And you're the supernatural power. Eh, no, the community <laughs> is. Yeah, okay, I like that, the culture. I think one of the, one, one of the really important things about you know, how we initially built our, uh, our company is because first of all, it started out of, you know, I needed something myself. So actually the, the research and development phase, it started right there on social media. I reached out to a bunch of people and said, hey, you know, I need a new sports prosthetic, how did you get yours? And then I also asked a lot of people, how did, why don't you have a sports prosthetic? And then, you know, the people that had them said either, well, I got a grant and they were one out of a thousand. And then the other ones were saying, oh yeah, you know, uh, I paid out of pocket. And then the remaining that I asked, they had all the same issue, you know, well, I can't get it. It's too expensive. Um, I was told that I'm not a candidate all of these things so you know i started the research right then and there to figure out okay so i started to ask people about the pricing in different markets and and found out you know this is not this is not a local problem it's a global problem so we have all of these people that just you know they they have absolutely no intentions of becoming paralympic athletes they just want to be the the weekend warrior all of them had the same intention but globally, they had the exact same problems. The exact same problems. Well, I think that's a huge business lesson right there. Because we kind of did the same thing at Plug PV, where it's like you go into an industry that has a lot of problems, and then you just be the voice, be the good one who doesn't have the problems, and it's very easy to excel. With Plug PV, with solar, the big problem was the way it was financed, and then the after effect of after they got it installed in a roof, Nobody would follow up with them, the service, the back end. By doing that, we were able to become the number one company in the Northeast because you, you build the brand. You're building the back yeah. end. After a year or two, then having their panels and something happens, we come back and fix it. That wasn't normal in the industry. So same with that. It's like in business, you find an industry that's pretty screwed up. You go in there and you become the voice. You change it and you dis disrupt it like we kept saying. That's why the, the acceleration of growth is just... Yeah, and I think it... It's, it's about being, you know, on the same level as your, your customers, right? Especially in this, you know, in this, because I've had so many talks with, with, um, with fellow amputees that are saying, so usually when people reach out to us on Instagram, it's either me, you know, I'm just re calling them right then and there and said, hey, you know, my name is Lassie from Levitate, you know, you've been asking about a blade, you know. How can I help you? So it's either me or it's Sebastian or it's somebody else. And then the cool thing that is happening is that they are saying in these calls, you are the only one that understood what I've been trying to say. 
Well, how many people in insurance don't have a leg? How many people? How many who are people at the top of, insurance? of AIG yeah. insurance company are like, yeah, bro, I don't have a no, leg. But, I understand your pain. Yeah. But but I think it's it's really important this this eye to eye. Yeah. And, and the cool thing about Levitate is that once the, we have such a strong online community of people that are helping each other, that you know they have they have the only connection they have to Levitate is that they have a product, right? But they are helping other people out. So, for instance, what we see is that, um, for instance, we have people that are coming to the test run tomorrow, and then people just they've never met never met each other in life. They just said, hey, you know. I need a place to stay uh, in the weekend. Yeah. And then somebody from the Levitate community is just saying, you know, you could just, I have room. We have multiple people just chipping in and said, you can just sleep at my place. And, you know, that's, it's a pretty cool community. That so when's the real leg come out where you actually can start levitating and like some <laughs> Iron Man type <laughs> shit? Tomorrow. <laughs> when is that prototype? So I, I, I just want to say how incredible I think that is that not only are you the only person going direct to consumer, but you're actually your own foot soldier and you're talking to people online. I could not imagine the owner of Osur or Flower getting on like Instagram and messaging people. I mean, maybe he is, but. But you also have to understand that it's two very different sizes of companies, right? So, right, yeah. right, but still, you know, you're making a large impact by doing it that way. Um, but I think it's also, you know, we're very specific we have a very specific user group, and we, we have a very specific target audience, right? So, it's important. I guess also, it's, it's important to mention is that um, we, we constantly have a dialogue with, the, with established industry, um, but we're doing things differently, but we're also tapping into a market that is actually not existing. Like, this, like if you're looking at the products that are in the market for Levitate Cameron, like those are like premium and really expensive like uh, products and that's that we're not even targeting the same audience there right. we're talking like everyone else that are not going to the Paralympics that are right. not like have money to pay for themselves or have funding so we're not even touching their kind of share of the market we're, we're creating one for ourselves right um, was that red ocean and blue ocean strategy? Blue ocean strategy, red ocean strategy. I think yeah. one of the one of the interesting uh, things also here is that when we started out the company, we obviously talked to a lot of you know established companies, and and I think the the, the general the, the the general impression and what they told us is, you are not gonna have any individuals in the world paying out of pocket for anything. Is there anything you'd like to say to those people right now? <laughs> Pick a camera and say it right to their face. Don't like steal our business model because you're gonna be very successful. <laughs> <laughs> I love my blade leg. I think it's very important to say here that Levitate is not going up against anybody. Right. We are, we are here to bridge the gap between as I said before, the intentions that the end users have and then the realities of what it is. There's nothing more that we would like to see that, you know, sports equipment would just become reimbursable. But that's not going to happen tomorrow, right? Right. But maybe it's going to happen in 10 years. But what is going to happen with all of the people that have these intentions today? And that's what we have to do. So, you know, we are, we are playing with everybody that wants to play along. 
we have great relationship with a lot of prosthetists globally and they use different models. Some of them, they embrace the direct to consumer. They said, hey, you just go buy online and you bring it, bring it into my clinic and I will help you if you have any questions. And then we have other ones that are saying, you know, you can just buy it through me and we'll put it at this price. So, and they, they are also starting to, but they also have to, they also have to, to learn now, okay, so how, how can we make this fit into our existing business models? Because we do see that they really want to, but they, they really have to figure out a, a way around it. And we are more than, you know, we are working with a lot of people to figure out, you know, how is this going to work? So I won't say that we're going up against anybody because yeah. we're actually, you know, serving an unmet market. Right. Speaking of unmet market, right now you're just doing legs, correct? Yeah. Are you planning on moving on to anything special or can you not speak about that or? Anything different, arms? Still within the legs, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think you will see Levitate doing arms. <laughs> no. no. Probably not as common. I would assume that most amputees are legs, no? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I, guess, it, I guess I have no idea. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. you, if you look at the amount of individuals in the world that has no or very little poor or even exceptional access to the equipment that they need, there's still such a huge population of individuals that need access to just, you know, standard care. That if we could just solve that issue, it would be a very successful company. Yeah. yeah. And how long has Levitate been in business? How long have you been doing it? Two and a half years. Okay. And what's the, what's the next few years look like for you? I know you're gonna be doing a lot of these live events, but yeah. what is the business structure because right now you're, um, you've, you've probably exceeded, I don't know what your, your goal was in strategy, but I'm assuming the way you're growing is at least on par or exceeding what you thought. So what is the next couple moves and steps that's gonna help you, you know, establish a, a presence in the rest of the market? I would like to see, you know, going to, so the, the we have the Paris 24, right? So the Olympic Games, and because that's where people, they see, you know, the blade legs on television, right? Yeah. We have that in 24, it's, it's not that far away. Okay. But if you consider it, we have the LA 28. One of the issues is that, you know, how will you build a massive team of people that are going onto the podiums if you cannot have the ones that are training tomorrow to become a Paralympic athlete. You know, it's, it's the chicken or the egg situation. You know, if you cannot get the entry level product, how can you ever get on the podium, right? Yeah. I would like to see that every single weekend warrior in the world at LA28, they have the equipment that they need. That would be super cool. Yeah. Can we talk about your projected growth in the next five years or maybe even like this. long term? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you want to be the largest provider of blade legs in the world yeah hell yeah would you argue you're, you're already there close to you know the it's really hard to find the numbers right of what I others imagine. are doing right um probably some hipaa laws preventing you from doing that cool thing is that you know if you base it on what you and i i i, I know that social media is not a good, you know, way, to a, a, a good yeah. way of measuring stuff yeah but it's cool when uh, when we meet when we go to new countries, 
and uh, we talked to different individuals and saying, I'm seeing, I'm seeing your blades everywhere. You know, that's cool. As then soon, you know, you once know, I heard you know about it the first time, everywhere. And I actually saw it once before I met um, Brooke yeah. at my spot. Um, I saw it once before and I was like, wow, that looks really cool. And actually somebody reached out to me. And I, uh, I mean, I just think I was too new in to this because it only happened two years ago and I wasn't prepared to venture down that path. But it was incredible now that I think about it that somebody actually reached out to me and I think you were going to give me, someone said they were going to give me a deal on it. And uh, just amazing, it, it, it's incredible, your outreach. It seems like you guys are this, I mean, you are this big global company, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you put faces to it and you've humanized it in such a way, uh, which is needed, I think, <clears throat> in this market. But it's because it, it, it is that simple. It's just, you know, people that need a product. Right. That's Hungry what we're crowd. doing. That's it. That's Hungry it. Crowd. It kind of opens, opens up this, the discussion, right, of, on, on how plates are offered now. Because right now we are the only one doing direct-to-consumer. Um, and and for, for others to get a blade that is not from us, they have to go through a prosthesis. And the prosthesis is not just throwing around like, do you want to have a blade? Do you want to have a blade? First of all, because it's too expensive. So the accessible is... is it's not even accessible for people. Right. And the processes know that. So they're not even asking the question on the table when they have clients in the clinic. Um, but they are now. All right, we're just wrapping, we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here. I'm gonna ask some non-business related questions. Because we have three guys right here that all have one leg. What I think you were saying the other day, the biggest change or the biggest annoyance you've seen is airports. And you just posted a story about how yeah. you get bomb swabbed at every airport. Every they check single all airport. Your bags. So what's oh, the, big, yeah, what's the craziest, a, biggest difference? Oh, what's the biggest difference you have? Go ahead. So we were in, in, in Turkey last week, Sebastian and I. And, uh, you know, we, we all, amputees, they go through the scanner and then we beep and then we have to go through the search. And usually it's just, the, you know, the scanner that goes around you. But, uh, you know, they had us going in, you know, into a room and they wanted to strip us naked. And they just put, it in, put us in the same room and, you know, was it? <laughs> first and, I, and, then, and I was just waiting outside and the guy was like, come on in. I was like, oh, are we going both? <laughs> oh my God. He basically didn't, you know, officially know that we knew each other. He just put, it in, put us in the same room and said, just take off your he coat. He asked you to get butt naked? Not butt naked, Pants but underwear. Yeah, both yeah. Of us. Wow. <laughs> How did he justify that? Yeah, wait, wait. Yeah. I've been, you know, I've actually, you know, in, in when before Levitate, you know, I was I was traveling a lot. I had a job where I was traveling. I think it was in 50 countries and I've been I've been in countries where, you know, first, you know, everybody has been asked, you know, to take off their prosthetic to put it up on the, you know, put it through to the scanner yeah. at least I've heard a lot of people do that but I've been in a country be. where they actually discussed whether or not they wanted me to put myself on the belt and go through the scanner Shut up. and I was like do you actually know that that's dangerous you know, it's not good for your body Could you imagine? and then I had to talk myself out of it I was like this is weird yeah I would not do that <laughs> uh, what's the biggest what's the biggest uh, difference in day to day life What's like uh, well, not, these guys not are in an airport? Amputees, 
Yeah, well, these no, guys are twenty years deep. I know. Though. So what? So what's we have the, dinosaurs? Just, <laughs> <MVT> dinosaurs. <laughs> is it just totally normal? Way. There's no difference. It's like you don't even you don't even think about it anymore. Or is there still yeah, things I'd that? Say. Yeah. You guys hop to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Like yeah, yeah, I was just about to say that. That's the bathroom visits in the middle of the night. Yeah. That's the hardest yeah. part, guys. You wake or, up, or you gotta pee. wakes up at night and I have to put it on. That's, I'm missing just to get out of bed and just walk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Standing, uh, I, I remember um, that one of the things that was, you know, just going into a shower, oh. closing your eyes, and then just, you know, looking into the water and just, just uh, oh. because you lose your balance when you do that. That's you guys one have of the, no idea yeah, what you're saying the, right now. I would kill for that. Yeah. Just to get it, just walk in a shower and walk out. Yeah. Oh, I'd pay a lot well, of money Well, you said for that. something to us the other day saying that showers used to be like, you used to enjoy showers. And now it's the most dreaded part of your day. I just rip my clothes off and run in and then be done in two seconds. Now I got this, uh, I, I think, think it's, it's called like, like an eye walk I use. That's oh, yeah? like the, only, the only part of it is like, I, I have my my prosthesis on the entire day, but it's it's only kind of like when I'm taking it off, when I'm going to bed or out of bed or into the shower. And also the same, like just going to the beach, not being able to just go in the water without water coming in. We just That's kind of like the two the beach, right? places where I kind of notice it. Yeah, the water beach and the shower. Amputee things, hashtag. <laughs> so in terms of uh, phantom pains, it's- I don't get phantom pains. I, I get don't get it, but there is, there's one time when I get it. I have a flu radar. Every time I get the flu, I get phantomic pains 24 hours before. So I know when I'm gonna get the flu. Get the flu. <laughs> that's the only. That's the only time I that get. That is so yeah. weird. I wonder what that is. Something about your nervous system. I have system. my own COVID uh, <laughs> <laughs> analysis <laughs> analysis system. I thought I was sick. I'm gonna cough on him later. We'll get the. <laughs> I what get about that. pain? What about pain from just like walking anymore? Because because yeah, no, yours is like still there's shrinking. There's always something. From, yeah. From like blisters or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I have more blisters. The less active I am, so if, yep. if I have like a week or two where really? I'm yep. active, start getting blisters. And that's kind of like a circulation thing. If yeah, I'm not having high heart rate or something. If I don't, like, yeah, even still, 10, active, 15 years I'm later. Yeah. Well, I think the skin just gets so hard. No, that it, only in certain areas, right? The, yeah. the remaining is still, you know, just soft tissue. And, and that's where, you know, if you don't stay active, and I have periods like that myself, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm not the, you know, the Paralympic, I'm just the weekend warrior, right? So if I have periods with, you know, a lot of work or something like that, where I don't work out as, you know, normal schedule, well then what happens is that when you walk less and you run less and you exercise less and then you go back out there, then you're gonna have all these small issues all the time. You know, you're gonna get blisters and you're gonna, it hurts a little bit and then all of a sudden. So it's really about, you know, keeping your body weight, eating healthy, exercising, all of these things, you know. Consistently. Consistently. Yeah, that's so interesting. More I thought Americans it was just me because when I'm not using off. it, it's a problem. Yeah. If I'm running on it and active, it's always great. It was the same for me, like, that was one of the biggest fears of like, going to Kilimanjaro 
six days of walking, no sleep. Like we had even 16 hours of like walking um, with only like three hours of sleep. And so that was, um, no, actually we had like 26 hours of walking without three hours of sleep. But Kilimanjaro didn't have any issues at all. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I was not expecting you to say that. And the same happened when I, when I did the Ironman. That was also like, okay, I'm gonna do a marathon in the end after cycling and stuff, 180 kilometers. So, but I didn't have any issues with it. Yeah, it's cool. It's a circulation thing. Like it's, it's, it stays fresh and healthy when you do it. It's crazy that nobody makes a, a blade leg for swimming. Yeah. Like a, a swimming, swimming fin. blade leg? You don't need it. Somebody the should make fin. one. <laughs> what do you no, mean you don't, don't need it? I bet you there. I would swim so fast, I'd be like a little Bloody mermaid fin. with that joint. Actually, there are people doing that. Yeah, you can You need it. to. I'm only buying it from you. Okay. My dollars go to you now, okay? I need you to get that Bugatti, <laughs> but it's gotta be Levitate Orange. At the end of the day, what is your message to everyone out there? Equal access to an active life. Ooh, bar. Did you hear that? He said it pretty quickly. Equal access to an active life. I'm really excited for tomorrow for the test run itself. So we're gonna cut to a little bit of footage from the test run and then maybe we'll sit with you guys. And if you're watching this, the whole, by the time this is out, we'll probably have the whole rest of the fundraiser and event and everything that happened the next day on. So we'll leave the link somewhere around here to click on the next video and you could watch the rest of how it all went. Peace. Come out to one event. Let's go. Look at my new picture with Lassie.